Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. How's everybody doing? <laughs> hey, I'm award-winning voice actor, Eli Harris. This is... I'm Bonnie Marie Williams. I'm also a voice actor. The fabulous Bonnie. Thank you very much. Also known as the voiceover superhero in some circles, but we're using the secret identity today. There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. We are so excited to be here. Uh, this is something we've been working on for a while, so... Uh, we hope that everybody enjoys this and that we all that we all learn something today. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. And first, before we even get into everything, I want to give a shout out to Heather Chandler and her entire team for hosting this and allowing us to have a platform to share our views on the gaming industry from the VO perspective. Yes, Heather, thank you. Heather, you're the best, the whole team. This has been incredible. So thank you for allowing us to share these, like Eli just said. I can't make that any better, so I'm just piggybacking on the back of that. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Awesome. So I think uh, it's ready, safe to go on to the next slide? Yeah, okay. go ahead and kick it off. All right. I'm going to go ahead and adjust that here now that we've looked at our beautiful cover photo with our names. Which was made by you, by the way. Bonnie Thank you. made this. So Shout out to Canva. Fabulous. <laughs> Shout out to Canva for making it easy. All right. Let me go to the next one here. So this is kind of the, not kind of, this is really what we're going to be talking about. It's all about connection and communication. So we're going to be going over the importance of voiceover in early game development, the value of proper representation in games, and the cost to acquire the appropriate talent that can not only bring the desired voice, but the life experiences that we as a talent brings and that will further enhance the gaming experience of the consumers. So it's all about that connection and communication. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. And, right. and also making sure <clears throat> that what we put out, it makes everybody feel included, involved. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to go to the next one. It's a little bit about us. Eli, you kick it off because you're just amazing. So <laughs> tell everybody how amazing you are. Oh, uh, no. Um been in VO for a few years. I transferred, uh, transitioned from the on-camera part of the business to doing VO. Um, VO is something that I was always interested in, just didn't know that I could make a great uh, living out of it. Um, been a gamer since childhood, ever since I had the, my Color Computer 3, Tandy TRS-80. Uh, since then, I, I was hooked on games. And so um, being able to, to come into this world 
and voice something that has been a part of my life. Uh, it's it's surreal. I love it. Anything else you want to talk about some of the amazing projects you've done and clients you've worked with? Man, so uh, first and <laughs> foremost, one of one of <laughs> some of that I didn't want to get into now because it's part of our talking points. But and we can say um, that that's cool too. But I will say, you know, there there are some there's a, a franchise that I'm I'm very excited to be a part of just because of the inclusive nature of it, um, and and what the game devs uh, came to me with for it, and and I think it's something that's really exciting to talk about and something I think would be encouraging for a lot of the, the game devs that are here today. To listen to absolutely and being and being a veteran of course you know it, it's cherry on top for me cherry on top and it adds that unique quality that is just your life experience which i love i love just getting to chat with you and hear all about it it's that's why we vibe <laughs> absolutely absolutely all right um so Eli tell us about I both, you, Bonnie. oh i will i will um we both came from the on-camera and theater world before we got into voiceover and that was something we also connected on but I've been an actor for 25 years without dating myself, probably closer to 30 in the next few years, which is kind of wild. Um, then I got into voiceover in 2011, and I've been doing it consistently full-time since 2018. I do mostly animation now and a lot of commercial, but I do work in casting and producing. So um, now that I'm back here in Los Angeles, games are really what I want to do more of in that industry because I spent about six years on the East Coast. Um, but that's that's kind of where we're at. I've had some amazing, amazing clients and have met some incredible people like Eli and Heather. And I'm just I'm just happy to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. And we have some very unique perspectives in the areas that we've worked in that we're bringing to this talk today. So. And one of the things that I want to add to what you said is, you know, the, the VO community is a, a lot more uh, welcoming than the on camera side of the business. Um, being able to work directly with these clients, it, it means a lot. Being able to connect directly with them and share your experiences, it means a whole lot. And so, um, you know, whether if it's, you know, Disney that I'm working with or, you know, uh, game devs, it's one of those things that makes our job a whole lot easier and a whole lot better. And we're just hoping to share some of that experience with you all so that we can make your products even more immersive. Absolutely. All right. I think that's not that that's enough about us, but for the sake of this talk, we should keep going. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. Let's go to the next one. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about communication because we don't really have a job without that. But how do we open up direct lines of communication in our industry? And what is it about genuine relationships and treating people like humans that really takes us farther? I'll let you kick that off, my friend. All right. So the most important thing that people want to realize when it comes to gaming is we get into games to get away from the realities of life. It's our time to be, you know, Mario, to be that sniper in Call of Duty or, you know, to be that 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 character in Diablo or whatever. It's a way for us to get away from reality. And so I think the major thing for us is that when we get involved in these titles, we want to make sure that we are coming to our clients from a personal standpoint. So that way the games can be developed and more personal for those who play it. And with that, you have to have the communication with your 
clients, you know, to have a direct pipeline with them. Absolutely. And that's something that you and I had talked about that we wanted to really showcase in this talk is it's that communication, but from a genuine place. And it's not looking at people, whether or not they hire us, we hire them, whatever the case is, but making that genuine one-on-one connection with the other person at the end of the phone or at the end of the keyboard or whatever, it builds such a better relationship than just looking at somebody and saying, what can you do for me? And having that, that vulnerability, that trust, that authenticity carries over from communication behind the scenes and it's going to carry it over into the work that you're doing and the work that we're doing. And I think it adds a lot of joy and things that maybe we need a little bit more of in this world. So it's treating people with that authenticity, with that genuine, I think what you do is cool. I admire your work. I want to get to know you better. And if there's a way that we can work together because we both get along on a personal and professional level, that's going to add so much more to your project than just going, I only see people as dollar signs. I only see people as what they can do for me. And that's not going to take you very far. But those building, those genuine relationships is going to take you so much farther. And it's going to feel a lot better, too. Not only that, but that translates also to the people that are playing the game. You know, um, one of the things that stands out to me is, you know, I do have people that will message me that have played some of the games that I'm in. And, you know, some of the screenshots I share sometimes and some I don't. But, you know, to know that a performance that, you know, I did or anyone else that's in our community has done, that it reaches people and it takes them out of that, you know, someone could have have a really bad day, played the game. The, 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 the characters that we voice, it reaches and touches them to a point to where it's like, man, I really feel like I'm in this and I feel like I'm a part of it. And, you know, to read those type of comments and, and you know, messages, it means a lot, you know. Um, and so I think that, you know, like we said, with the communication and working directly with the client, with them being able to understand that, it allows them to also flesh out certain dialogues in a different way. Um, to explore maybe um, consulting with us as far as culturally so that their characters are fleshed out appropriately, you know, so that the people that are playing it can feel connected to it. Yes. You know, and that's part of what, like, with Superfuse, which is one of the games that I am the face of, which is a Diablo-style ARPG, they reached out to me in that manner, and they wanted to make sure that they got it right. And so when devs get it right, it allows us to get it right, and it allows the consumer to play a game feel like they're involved in it. And those things do matter. It really does matter. Absolutely. And to piggyback off of that, I do a lot of work for kids and with kids programming type things. And that's where a lot of that joy comes from me because I'll see parents talking about it and they'll say, I showed this to my kid. I showed this sketch. I showed this, this episode to my kid and they were so inspired by this. And it's, I'm coming from a place of what we do makes a difference and we use our talents to make a difference this way. And everybody is doing that. We're all collaboratively working together. But if I can be a part of something that enriches somebody else's life and teaches them something, inspires them, that's what it's all about. We're not creating art just to create art. We're creating art because it's, it connects us all to our core humanity. And that's what that connection is about. Um, It's just a really cool thing to be a part of. And we are so lucky to be able to do that in the ways that we do. 
it's almost therapeutic in a sense, if you really think about it. It is oh, yeah. almost a form of therapy for all parties involved. Absolutely. All right. I think are we good on this one. Do you want to go to the next one? I think we got yeah, everything go on this one. one. Okay. Yeah, let's go to the next one. All right. I'm just always going to check in first and say, did we miss anything? I think we're good. <laughs> no, we're, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're not just good. We're great. I'm going to say that. I think we're great. Super so, duper. Super duper. All right. Super duper. Let's go to the next one. So this was something we just touched on a little bit, and we're probably going to spend a little bit of time here um, in that vein of connection and seeing yourself in that art, we're going to talk about proper representation and why it matters. Uh, my friend, I want you to kick this off. Absolutely. So, of course, I was in the military as well. You know, I'm a proud veteran, served my country. And, um, you know, being able to be involved in that capacity, it means a whole lot as well. There's not a lot of us on, you know, this side of the business. You know, thankfully, you know, there's companies like Activision, who um, does a huge veteran outreach and they're really big on, you know, the veteran initiative, you know, but as far as the, the voiceover side of the business, there's not a, not, not a lot of uh, representation for that. And that's something that's being worked on. And so, you know, this is something that I think uh, can help and to, to help bridge that gap. Because when you have veterans that are voicing, you know, characters in games like Call of Duty and, you know, Rainbow Six and different, you know, titles like that, people who play it, they'll feel, it'll feel a lot more, uh, a lot more, a lot more real to them. You know, there's a difference between having training from on the voiceover, voiceover side to do it, as opposed to actually having lived that life. There's a certain authoritation, authoritative uh, nature that comes across in our performances that you don't get through just training. So when you cast people that are native to certain roles, it comes across more authentic. And then again, the gamers will be able to connect with it, which I'm sure you can speak from, you know, the Jewish side with you. You know, what is that like for you? Yeah. So it's that authenticity. And as much as, you know, we can say if you're an actor, you know, actors, we all use our imaginations. But there's that idea of method acting. Right. And I know you know that and we've talked about that where you draw from your own experiences. And if you have a genuine experience that matches up with a character that you are auditioning for or a character that you are voicing, it is going to be so much more real than somebody who's never lived it. It's going to be authentic. It's going to be so there's going to be more of a connection there that you just can't fake. Um, I was just talking to Eli about how I did a voiceover project, an e-learning project for um, for some clients out in Australia and they wanted somebody that could speak Hebrew and my Hebrew is not, you know, it's, I'm not fluent, but I am Jewish, but you know, they, they cast me based on the specifications of my casting profile and they sent it to me. And then they said, do you need help with the pronunciations for these words? And I wrote back, I said, I'm Jewish. I'm good. And they went, Oh, great. Okay. And that was the end of it. And I sent it off and I was able to bring that lived experiences of talking about these holidays and these things that I have lived and I have shared and I've celebrated to this project. And not only was it just about the pronunciation, but it was about the meaning behind these holidays and the experiences and what they mean to me as a Jewish person. So that was one of the most meaningful projects I've ever done because it was teaching 
fifth graders about some of the holiest days of the year as a Jew, which is great, especially in the climate that we live in now. Having that outreach meant a lot to me as a performer and as a Jewish person. See, and I think that we are fortunate in a sense, you know, and I know, and I know things are chaotic in, to a certain standpoint, but we're also in an era where things can be, uh, have a spotlight put on it to where changes can be made. You know, uh, one of the biggest things that we faced um, on our on my side of the community is it's very difficult for us to voice anything that's our character. You know, oftentimes they would cast, you know, non-people of color for our roles, you know, and I feel that there has been great strides uh, to change that, you know, and I th I'm sure it's the same for the, you know, the, the LGBTQ community as well. Um, oftentimes they would cast, you know, people that aren't part of that community. And I think there's more there's more than enough work to go around for people to be able to voice those things that they represent. Because again, like we said before, there's an authenticity that gets brought into it. You know, um, I don't feel comfortable really voicing things that's outside of my community because I'm not going to represent it the best. Yeah. You know, so I think in that sense, we are making strides towards that. Um, I find that a lot of publishers um, are working hard to change the narrative with some of this to make it a lot more inclusive and to make it a whole lot better um, because they also understand that the product sells better and it means more to those who play it when it is represented properly. Yes, absolutely. And I know I have been asked by clients who genuinely didn't know any better. You know, they get an assignment and they go, okay, well, I know this person. Would you mind doing X, Y, or Z? And I said, you know, that's A, not in my wheelhouse, but B, I don't feel comfortable presenting myself as a person of color in this voiceover project, whether or not they're an adult or a child. But I know some people who are that I can connect you to. And that's, again, that communication and that connection and making their job easier. And that shows that they trust me. So they're going to trust somebody that I bring on. And I know we're going to touch on that in a little bit, but it's that idea of representation. Why that's something that I, I don't feel comfortable doing that, but I love referring people who can. That to me brings me joy. It's creative puzzle solving. It's like vocal Tetris. You know, you're making the pieces <laughs> fit together. And there was something that, that we were talking about before we did this, but the ability yeah. for people to feel seen and connected, whether it's a movie or a TV or games or something. But when you see somebody that looks like you or sounds like you on screen or in some sort of media, you don't feel so alone in a world that's filled yeah. with people. It's so easy to feel alone and feel like nobody gets you. There is no representation. There's nobody that understands you. And I've been fortunate to have a few instances of those characters in my life where I go, she gets me this. I understand this character, but everybody should have that opportunity. It shouldn't just yeah. be limited to one group of people. Yeah. And so I think, you know, like with what Raw Fury did with me for Superfuse and what I see, you know, Activision Blizzard doing, starting to do uh, more of, you know, these are the things I think that all devs should pay attention to is, you know, once you get an idea of the direction you're going with the character, um, what their backstory is or whatever, and you have an idea of the talent that you want, you know, bring the talent in earlier on the process because that way they can be the consultant for that. They can bring their life experience to that character. You know, and I can't say enough about what Raw Fury did and what Stitchheads did with me for, for Superfuse. 
Um, they allowed, they listened to who I was as a person, my story, where I come from, and kind of altered some of the dialogue to fit that experience. So when people see my character in this game, they're going to they're going to see me. You know, people from my community will be able to identify with the way he is behaviorally. You know, the way that he reacts to things, some of the things that he says, and why he feels the way that he feels. You know, and I, and like I said, I I do see, I do see more of that now than 10 years ago. Yes. It, it, you know, there is work towards it. We still got a ways to go, but at least the ball is rolling and we do have ears of people that are listening that care enough to make a better product. Absolutely. And that tide is turning and is changing. And like you said, this was not a thing 10 years ago, but it is now. And that's the way it's evolving. And as more people are getting involved in what we do, and getting involved in arts and as content is growing and there's so many different things out there there's more games there's more shows there's more movies there's there's so much to consume that we as the creators have so many different avenues to make these representation representational roles a possibility versus maybe we didn't have as many opportunities before and now we do and like you said getting people involved early I think is great the earlier the better that you can but if it's later on and you've already done something and you say you know I don't I can't speak from this experience with this character but I trust this actor to let me know if this is okay or if maybe some things need to be adjusted that's a big deal to us. And we appreciate your faith in us and your trust in us to let you know. And, you know, a good actor is going to have that conversation and that communication with you to let you know, yeah, this is great. Or, hey, this could be worked on a little bit. Can we add this? Can we try this instead to keep the story going? But let's make this a little bit more human versus caricature versus um, stereotype even. Let's, let's make these people a bit more real. So we can have those that connection. Things, and those are things that we're going to be touching on also um, and going more in depth with. I think so. We got why it matters. How do we do it fairly and ethically? Do we want to touch on that in the next one or do we want to keep going? Yeah, go to the next one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I, know I said, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Show me the talent. All right. I'll let you front run on this one. Okay, so how do you go about hiring talent? There are so many different ways. How do you do it fairly? So there are union talent, non-union talent. There's everything in between. There's talent agencies. There's casting sites. And oh my goodness, can it feel overwhelming when you say, I just need this person. How do I do it? So based on what we were talking about earlier, everybody has different relationships. There are some people who cast who have really solid relationships with casting directors. There's other people who have amazing, amazing relationships with talent managers and talent agents. And that's great. There are some people that prefer to do casting sites and they want to, that is a whole separate thing because there are some casting sites that have 5 million talent registered on there. And that's sometimes just people with an email address. Then you have to sort further. But something that Eli and I really, really like and what we stress a little bit more is what has been very beneficial for us is one-on-one relationships with people who cast because they get to know us one-on-one and we have people that we can refer. And it's just that relationship. But your mileage may vary. If you're somebody that says, I like the casting sites because I put in what I want, and I sort through it from there, 
that's great. You know, I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum. There are people who prefer talent agents because they handle all the paperwork. They're the middleman or talent managers who do a lot of the same thing. You go to them and you say, I want this person sounds like this, has these vocal qualities, and they need to be in this area of the country because I don't want to do a session at 8 a.m. If it's something like that, you can find those people. But at the end of the day, it's about finding what works for you and for your one-on-one relationship. But it should be something that shouldn't feel too overwhelming. It should be whatever makes the most sense to you, whatever is the easiest, but there are different ways to do it. So um, it just kind of depends on what makes the most sense to you, what time do you have allotted, and who do you trust in this industry to help you find who it is you're looking for? Yeah, we all have different lanes, um, and everybody goes about it differently. And I think one of the things that tends to be uh, a source of frustration for some people is they'll see what their colleague is doing over here, and they'll see their colleague, what they're doing over there, and it kind of makes them feel either inferior or like, you know, they're spinning their wheels. Um, and so for me, you know, I've, I've always worked on, you know, though I'm represented by an agency as well, um, I've always found building personal relationships with clients themselves tends to work, you know, and, and some of us go that route. Um, because oftentimes that allows you to build something personal with them and you become that familiar, you know, face for their brand. And then in that, you know, we are allowed to bring other people along with us, you know, <clears throat> and I don't, you know, ever tout the people that I refer to projects, but, you know, I do, you know, and so, you know, there are some initiatives that's being worked on, you know, right now, which, you know, I spoke with you about, mm-hmm. um, there are some initiatives that's being worked on right now to kind of, you know, narrow that gap and bridge that gap a little bit, um, you know, for those that are professionals, of course, and those who have, you know, put in the time, the work, the grind, um, and, and have a, a good sustainable amount of work so that when they are referred to clients, you know, it's not one of those things that look bad on those who are doing the referring, you know? So um, again, I agree with you, you know, you have your agents, you have your managers and they all serve different purposes, you know? And then there's also that route where you make those connections directly with clients. Cause you know, what I'm finding a lot with uh, the people that I work with, the, the game devs, the publishers, there's a lot of them that want to work directly with the clients, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, there are things that are being worked on to where some of those gaps are being bridged so that they can find the talent they need without sometimes having to go through all the hoops, you know? So um, everybody has their lane, you know? And I, I can't say that one is worse or better than the other. There are people who've been signed to, you know, great agents and haven't booked a lot. But then there's some who signed with great agents and book a lot. It's all in a matter of your approach. Absolutely. And I think to piggyback on that, um, there are some very exciting things brewing. My water bottle's making noise. Some very exciting things brewing. And if you have questions about casting, if you're in the middle of trying to do something right now, you could reach out to myself or Eli and we'd be more than happy to bridge that gap for you if you're looking for something in particular. Like, I love doing that. I have begun building rosters of my own the last few years because it became a lot of extra work to help a client find somebody because they trust me. And I tell them, I'm not going to send you somebody that is not at a professional level because you trust me so much. I want 
to make a connection to somebody that you're going to trust as well. And the people that I'm referring have to trust me because I'm not going to send them to somebody that isn't professional. So it has to be professional all around. And it's something that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy doing because it's it's creative and it's problem solving and it's fun and it's challenging. But when you can bridge that gap between the talent seeker and the talent and you create something magical, it there's nothing like it. So um, if anybody has any questions about that, you feel free. I can put my email in the chat later, but that's something that is really fun. So I'm always happy to help with that, just to throw that out there because it is really <laughs> fun for me. And I know we're all busy. We all have stuff that we're doing and taking that off of somebody's plate and saying, hey, I got you. Let me help you find somebody. Give me what I need to know. I'll connect you right to them. There you go. Problem solved. So and see, that and is I'm, something as well. And you're more of the person that wants to do casting. And I'm more of a person where I just like to try to make lanes easier for those who are super talented, but don't get the representation that they probably should get, you know, just because, yeah. you know, the, the, the game is, is structured in such a fashion to where it's a, it's a, you know, a cash 22. And so, you know, my whole thing is I like to try and find, you know, ways to help those um, get the opportunities that should get the opportunities yes. for, you know, for whatever reason. For whatever reason. Yeah. And I think we've all, it's that idea of paying it forward, right? Like we've all been somebody who just started out that maybe we didn't really know anybody and we were referred to something by somebody. And it that kind of goes back to that idea that you had said at the beginning of voiceover being so much more collaborative than on camera because we couldn't really send our on camera auditions to somebody else. No, you know, no. they die in our inbox, <laughs> but yeah. when, you know, when I get an audition for somebody or some character that Eli is perfect for, I send it over or to any of my other friends who I trust that are top notch professionals that don't suck that, <laughs> you know, that are people that I trust. I'm going to send them to my people because it's not going to a make me look bad and it's a new potential avenue and a new lane that has opened, like you just said. So it's that that idea of connection and leveling the playing field and giving somebody a hand up that they may not have otherwise, but you're building those connections and those relationships too. And just, you never know what's going to come out of that. And it's not necessarily doing it for a reason that, that you're going to get something out of it. It's cool if you do, but it feels good to connect people and you never know where that might go somewhere down the line, but don't do it for that reason. But yeah, I think I'm just talking in circles at this point. <laughs> no, and, and and most importantly, you want to make that we want to make the job easier for those game devs, you mm -hmm. know, because uh, they have it hard as it is. You know, uh, there are plenty of people who will post, you know, for instance, auditions on Twitter and they get bombarded. I literally had a game dev said, I will never do that again because he did not expect to get that many, you know, submissions. You yeah. know, so not only do we want to open the avenue to where those that are talented can get, you know, opportunities but also to make the job easier for the game devs. You know, let yes. them be able to focus on the game that they're developing, the story they want to develop, and, you know, allow those that have the means to assist in bringing the proper talent to you so that exactly. your project can be everything that you want it to be. Exactly. Uh, we do have a question in the chat uh, from the Discord. What can an indie dev expect to spend on voiceover for a game? Okay, so... I'll start with that. It depends. Um, it, it varies if it's a union or non-union project. 
<clears throat> so uh, with non-union, we tend to go by the GVAA rate guide. And uh, that gives a general, a general range of what we charge. And it also depends on the reach of the project. Then, of course, if it's union, that's also uh, contingent on the, the scope of the project. But with, the, with, but with union projects, it goes by union scale. And then depending on the size of the project, the rate itself will be negotiated. I know yep. you could probably, you know, expand on that as well. Yeah. So the GVAA rate guide is the Global Voice Acting Academy is what the whole thing is. But GVAA is what it's short for. Um, and I know one of the gentlemen who runs it and he's one of my great friends out here. So if you ever have a question with that, you can always contact them and say, hey, I looked at the rate guide. I'm not quite sure. But if that seems to be a little much or if you forget you can talk to your local fellow voice actor, your friendly neighborhood voice actor, who will say, okay, here's what this says, but what budget are you working with? So I always try to be as flexible as I can with my clients and my potential clients and say, okay, here's my number. Here's your number. What can we do in between that feels fair to both of us where you feel like you're getting your value as somebody who is hiring me and I feel like I am being valued as a performer. So it really depends. There's no universal scale in that sense, but the GVAA rate guide has been an instrumental um, player in this game that gives us at least a baseline and an idea of where things should be. And they spend a lot of time on that. I mean, that's been a living, breathing document for so long and it gets updated with new changes in our industry. So that is one of the best places you can go and one of the best things that you can do. So that's um, that's my thing on the, the non-union side of things. And and I want to add to that, you know, one of the things that I talk to devs about, because, you know, there are, of course, people who don't have a massive budget, understand that it's an investment, you know, just like w with us, because I think there's a misconception that goes along with what we do. You know, I'm like, I'm sure you do. We get countless of emails from people. How do I get into VO, et cetera, et cetera. And I think people don't understand that it's an investment. It's an yes. investment in your equipment. It's an investment in training. It's an investment in getting the proper demos put together. It's an investment in getting the proper software. It's an investment, investment, investment. And if you are looking for, if you're looking for your game to be up here, you're going to have to invest in that quality talent to get you there vocally. You know, so it's more than sitting behind the mic and talking. It is a performance. It, it's voice acting. So I say all that to say that, you know, just keep in mind that as a game dev, you want your project to stand out. You want your, your, your dream and your vision to be realized. The voice is the soul of that. We have the story. We have great visuals, all that wonderful stuff. But when we put our stamp into the project, we're the ones who bring the tears out of people. We're the mm -hmm. ones who give people joy. We're the ones who give people that smile on their face that make them walk away like, man. I just invested an hour in something that made me feel better. You know, that comes at a cost. Are you looking for a publisher for your game? Well, we have something special just for you. It's the most comprehensive listing of PC, console, and mobile publishers in the industry. Over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites. You can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list. 
and you can get it for free. Check it out. So if, if you want a, a polished, solid project from professionals, sometimes it may go a little bit outside of what you may have expected. But like Bonnie said, we are, a lot of times talents are negotiable. You know, we, we won't take you too far out, but we also want to be fairly compensated for the skill set and the talent and, and the, the, uh, one of the things that, that, that I find that clients really appreciate is quick turnaround time. Yes. And that's what you get with professional voice artists is how fast can you get this back to me? And that's what matters. That's what I'm sure Bonnie is used to and she keeps her clients. That's what I'm used to when I keep my clients. That is the number one thing that clients will say is how fast can I get it back? Yeah, I needed this yesterday. Great. Okay, I'll knock it out for you. It's always a matter of, you know, go, go, go now. We need it right now. Not two days from now, not five days from now, not 12 days from now. It's that get it to them sooner rather than later. If it's a longer project, like an audiobook, but we're not here to discuss that, that's different. But you work that out with your talent as well. And it's that communication. Just communicate all around. Here's what I've got. Here's what I need from you. Here's the tone. Here's the whatever. Here's the rate. Here's when I need it back by. Great. Awesome. All, right. so, all around. So what I would say to the person that asked that question, Look at the GVAA website, get familiar with how the rates are, and then structure your budget accordingly to have it for your voiceover. Yep. And if it if it's something that I've been a part of some projects that had a lower budget in the beginning and they said, this is going to be like a pilot. This is going to be something here with the potential for more later on if you can commit to something now. I'm a little bit more flexible at that where I go, okay, I understand that this may not be my rate right now, but if it builds that relationship, if it has the potential to be something bigger down the line, then I'm a little bit more okay with doing that and having that flexibility. Doesn't mean I do it all the time, but for certain situations and certain relationships, I have done that. And there have been things that came down the line later because of those relationships and those projects that I did. And I never would have thought you know, as actors, we do pilots and we hope for the best. But there are instances where something can come down the line later. And that's great when it does. So that's something else to try and maybe not to lean on that too heavily, but know that there are some actors who understand your limitations and what you're working with. And just know that we're along for the ride, but we we do hope something comes out of it, too. Relationships are the true currency in this business. It really mm. is. Yes. That's our, right, that's our tagline. Everybody. That's the theme. That, 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 there it is. There I'm it is. Trademark that joint. I'm a trademark. trademark it. I know a trademark lawyer. <laughs> there you go. I'll get him in on this. Uh, we do have a question. We don't have a ton of time to spend on it, but I think we could do a few minutes. Is what kind of education do you need to be a voiceover artist? Oh, there it is. Ah. I see it. <laughs> uh, I'll let you start with that. Okay. So, there are plenty of people in this industry who just kind of rolled in off the streets one day and said, I want to be a voice actor. Great. But there's voiceover talent, voice actors, voiceover. Some people just call them voiceovers. 
I prefer voice actor because I'm an actor first and foremost. I've been an actor my whole life. I went from theater to TV to film to voiceover, and now I do some of the other things again. So the number one foundation for me, what I would give you advice on, take an acting class. Because it's not just voices. There are plenty of people who can do Donald Duck. There's plenty of people who can do Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's plenty of people who can do these different voices. But if you're just doing the voice and you don't know how to be this character when they're frozen, when they're um, hot and they're melting in the desert, when their cat died, when they're, if you don't know how to be these characters in these situations and these circumstances, I believe, wasn't it Stanislavski who said acting is um, behaving under the, the given circumstances? Pretty sure I just I got so. that. My theater degree well. just popped up in the background. But it's not just the voices. So take an acting and class. Take many classes. And let me add to that. So mm -hmm. I think one of the most important things with that, with that question is you also have to learn to interpret script. And, you know, there are people who have great voices. I have a great voice, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, can you interpret a script? When the client comes to you and gives you the script, do you know how to read the script? Do you know which words to put emphasis on? Do you know how to not upsell on things? You know, and these things, of course, come through proper training. And you want to make sure that you get the coaching and training from reputable people who know what they're doing in this business. Because there are a lot of people who market themselves in this fashion and aren't necessarily the greatest at it. You know, just like there are several demo producers who market themselves as demo producers but aren't the greatest. So, um, and I see that you just put up selling the dream. So we'll just go right into that one. Because that's what we're doing. Uh, yeah. Right. That, that's what we're doing is getting an understanding of the way the business works. Most importantly, you need to figure out what exactly it is that you want to do in voiceover because doing uh, uh, gaming is entirely different doing animation, yes. doing commercial, et cetera, et cetera. So first establish the genre that you even want to get into. Now, since we're doing gaming here with the indie game biz, um, Obviously, we're talking about gaming. Find a reputable, a reputable coach that trains in voiceovers for video games. They're going to teach you how to break down script. They're going to teach you how to get into the emotion of the character. They're going to teach you how to not overact or oversell things. So that's what you would need to do if you're looking to get into it is get a reputable coach. Yes. It may cost. That's part of what I said earlier as an investment. It's going to cost. This is yes. not something that you just jump into and say, I'm going to voice over a character. You have to have training to do this. And we're, we're definitely being, um, we are being very, very frank with this, for lack of a better term, because we've experienced so many people selling the dream in this industry and saying, you can make a quick buck from home. Just get a, a USB microphone and a laptop, record in your bathroom, make six figures. It doesn't work like that. You want to, I always tell people, if it's something you think you're going to enjoy, go for it. Like, go for it, and you'll never know unless you try. But also, don't expect, with voiceover, with how competitive it is now, because a lot of people came in and they were being sold the dream when everything shut down. It was being sold as work from home, make easy money. And a lot of people gave over their hard-earned money that they maybe didn't have a lot of to people who were not reputable, who were selling them this dream and this idea. And it's heartbreaking. And we've seen that. And I think that's why we're so adamant about saying this is hard. It is voiceover is hard. It's not just talking and doing voices. You have to be kind of a one, almost at a one woman army, but 
you have to be your own small business owner and it is an investment and it's not going to be there's always exceptions to the rule but 99.9% of the time you're not going to break even or make more money your first year out it takes time so that's why we always say take classes find the actors that are doing what you want to do ask them how they did it that's whose careers do you want yeah like i want eli's career so i'm gonna ask eli how do you do it (laughs) you know and and if you ask eli eli's gonna be very honest about it you know Mm -hmm. um i'm very tactful very professional but i don't believe in wasting people's time because i don't like my time wasted so when people come to me with those questions i'm very honest about it set some money aside few grands your equipment everything that you're going to need room treatment everything hire an audio engineer there's a lot that goes into this. Yes. I know that we're getting low on time. Um, you want to go ahead and move to the next one? Yeah, I'm just going to piggyback off of that real quick. Take classes okay. first before you invest anything in your equipment. Just take classes and see if you even like acting, if you like performing. Start with that because classes are going to be your lowest budget. And, oh, do not. Um, this is going to be a don't. Don't sign up for like a weekend intensive where they say, take three classes and we'll sell you a demo at the end of it. Pay us three, $5,000. You won't be ready to record a voiceover demo by the end of one weekend if you've never been behind a microphone. That's my biggest of piece of advice. That's my you'll biggest piece of advice. You'll be out of money and advice. frustrated. You'll be out of money and frustrated yeah. and it will probably suck. Okay. <laughs> That's like my biggest, my biggest don't. So take your time. Take classes. See if you like it. Go from there. And I have a list of resources on my website for people who have questions and I get it all the time and I send people there. So I can drop that in the chat later. Happy to help with that as well. All right. Free resources. Few resources. Yes. Free resources. Free resources as well. Yes. Ton of reading. All right. That's a great question. Thank you. Oh, it's Q&A time. Well, there we go. Um, We have a couple more. There we go. Have either of you been involved with community managers to increase fan engagement with some of the game projects you've done? All right, Eli. Okay. Um, So yes or no with that one. Um, I'm not the biggest person on social media, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I'm on there to promote my clients and, you know, the work that I do. But I do engage with fans. I kid you not. Um, I'll get messages on Twitter. I get DMs from people. They'll send me screenshots of games. I always interact. That's probably something that I will look to do at some point. Um, I just have to get better with being more sociable on social media um, in that fashion. But I mean, to answer that, probably the best way I can answer that, the best way that I know how, yes, I respond to every single person that messages me, that posts on my wall, um, people who like, comment, put up little video clips. I comment on every single one of them because without you guys, we don't have a career. And I think that um, we have talent, of course, but if you were not interested in what we bring to the table, we wouldn't have this career. You know, so I'm a very uh, uh, gracious person, very thankful for those people who uh, reach out to me. So, yeah, I would look into look into something like that. But, you know, as it is now, I, I generally just respond to people who will message and post up stuff. Yeah. Eli is one of the most gracious, kindest people with filled with gratitude that I've ever met. So that is 100 um, percent. A lot of Thank the things you. that I've done. Oh, of course. You're welcome. A lot of the things that I've done, I've had to sign projects for, so I can't really talk about it. And it 
it's just one of the natures of the beast. If you have me sign something that says, hey, we're going to have you do this, don't talk about it. Okay. But you respect it. You respect your contracts and your paperwork. You don't even talk about if you audition for something. I only will talk about it if I have had explicit written permission from somebody to share it. Otherwise, nope. And that's something you want to be really careful with too. But in the sense yes. of in the sense of if you are going to be community building with your actors and they say, you know, if it's okay with you, by all means, let them post about it because they're going to have their individual networks of people that are going to get excited and talk about it and comment on those things. And that's going to be more marketing and publicity for you. So um, I would love to be able to talk more about some of the stuff that I've done that has a lot of engagement, but it doesn't mean I don't read things and I maybe like some comments here or there. And I try to, I try to interact with it where I can, but you know, if that's, that's a great way to build community is let your actors, if it's okay with you, talk about it and share these things because that's going to create more buzz for you. And maybe that's just yeah. me. I used to work at a PR firm, but I learned a few things and, and that's great publicity for your project. Yeah. If it's something that's already out, that's what I comment on. But like you said, it is damaging to your career. If you comment on anything that is not out yet, that yes. will kill your career in a heartbeat. So yes, those things that are already out that people have played and they connect with me, of course, you know, but if I'm asked a question about what am I currently working on, I haven't announced it for a reason. Yep. yep. Don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> the first rule. <laughs> right? First rule of Mike Club. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Mike Club. And we, that's funny. And we got some things coming up, some big things coming up that I'm super excited for that will come out in due time. Yes. That is really just an industry, uh, you know, if you signed an NDA, MC, mouth closed, right? Mm -hmm. Keep your mouth yep. closed. First so how did you both get started doing voiceovers? Okay. So for me, I started off on the on-camera side and I crossed over a few years ago. Um, it's, it's a part that I felt I wanted to expand more in, as far as my career. I'm a gamer for life. I'm a huge gamer. And so I got into this with the mindset that I want to voice games and animation. Um, it was definitely a difficult road. <laughs> it wasn't easy at all. But um, the grind, I put in the grind. I wanted to voice games. That's what I wanted to do. Of course, I voiced commercials for a lot of brands. But gaming is what I wanted to do. So my passion for gaming and wanting to do VO is what brought me into this. What about you, Bunny? Um, I've been an actor my whole life. Uh, the only reason I didn't do it professionally when I was little was because my mom said no. She said her words were, I don't want you to become Drew Barrymore, which has a great success story now. But when mm -hmm. I was little, not so much. So I'm uh, I'm grateful for that, that she made me wait. But I grew up doing theater. And when I was 16, I said, I want to be an actor. And I wanted to go move to New York and go be on Saturday Night Live and Broadway. And that didn't happen. But I stayed out here in L.A. and I did on camera and theater. And I wasn't feeling fulfilled like I was when I was getting my theater degree. And I thought, you know, I want to be an actor but this kind of sucks. Like, where do I fit in? I never felt like I fit in physically in the industry. There was no place for me and in on-camera work. So um, I actually did my first voiceover job when I was in college and it was a commercial for a Mexican restaurant and it was easy. I just had to pretend I liked it, but I didn't think that that was a career. <laughs> I just went, okay, cool. I didn't know that it was something that normal people did because growing up watching yeah. all the Disney behind the scenes things, it was always mm -hmm. Robin Williams or these celebrities. 
I didn't know normal people could be voice actors. And then I had not one, but two friends who I met doing theater who were also in different areas of voiceover say, I think you would be really good at this. You should give it a shot. And I said, okay, not just one person, but two people. Maybe I need to explore this fully. And I got into one of my friend's booths and she just threw stuff at me and I was behind the mic and I felt such a freedom and such a happiness and joy that I hadn't felt since I was getting my theater degree and I was on stage. And I said, okay, this is what I need to do because they don't care what you look like. They don't care. These things that I was so preoccupied with as an on-camera performer, I didn't have to worry about behind the microphone. So now I can play boys. I can play old ladies. I can play teenage girls and everything in between. And I have such a freedom to create and to be an actor that isn't inhibited by the things that held me back on camera. And you know what's crazy about that? Like, I get asked all the time, what do I like most between on-camera voiceover? Voiceover gives you such a different high, like a different energy, that it's just like out of here for me. Like, there are times I'll come in here and work on projects, and it's just like, whoa. You know what I'm saying? Then you get to listen back to the stuff. You get to see the stuff you did. Like, yo, I voiced that. You know, when people are playing this stuff in their consoles, yo, that's me. It, Mm -hmm. It just gives you a different, it's a different energy that you get from that that I didn't get from on camera. Yes. Not to say I didn't, I don't miss on camera to a certain extent because that's a whole different side. But yeah. VO is just like, it's just mind blowing for me. I get to be a monster back here in a t shirt. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it, it's just, yeah, like I, I felt you with that. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's... Dan. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. This, this is interesting stuff. I was going to say, so since you're both gamers, right? I, yeah, I play not as much, but I thoroughly enjoy, I'm really terrible at it. There are a few games that I play, Mm. but I'm otherwise very terrible at it. And I'm that competitive person that doesn't like being terrible at things. It's a character flaw. I'm working on it, but I love hearing people play it because I'm enough gamer for the voice. You do. I sit and I listen to people play it and I listen to the voices and I listen to the music and I listen to the sound. So for me, it's a different type of experience. Whereas if I'm like playing it actively, I'm so focused on, I want to win. Because I am very competitive. But if I sit back and hang out with somebody who's playing it, it's a learning experience for me. It's actual research for me. So that's kind of the approach that I like to use with it. Although there are some games where I'm fiercely competitive and I will take people out. And that's fun for me. That's awesome. I grew up in the art. Go ahead, Dan. No, no. I was just going to ask if you did any role playing. Like, you know how they have on Twitch. It's like role players. They played Grand Theft Auto, Conan Exiles. There'll be like 50 people on the server and everyone's playing a character. Oh, that's cool. I, I, I don't. I, I have to do Twitch. that. I, really? We might have to look into that. I, I, oh have, I don't get on a Twitch. Let, let right. me say this, Dan. Like, we grew up, you grew up in the arcade era too, right? Mm-hmm. The arcade was the thing to do when we were young. You know what I'm saying? My goal was like, yo, if I could do an arcade game, if I could be an arcade game. And lo and behold, I'm in a new Need for Speed that comes out next year in the arcade. Oh, that's so amazing. it's like, yeah, the new Need for Speed Heat Takedown. I voiced the crap out of that game. And so now it's like my kids will be able to go to Dave and Buster's and play it. And, you know, it's, it's a dad. different feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, look, they're like that now with the games we play here. But to play in an arcade, and you know, arcades live forever. Like, arcade games live forever. It's, it's man, I, I, I could go That's on true. about that. But you know I, I have not gotten into Twitch. Later yet. on, get with me on Discord. I will show you guys some uh, role-playing streamers. Right. It's 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 a blast because you're playing as a character and it's basically like like I used to do it in Conan Exiles. Right. That was one of the games. And there'd be like 30 to 50 people playing. So you can pretty much go on Twitch and watch the story from all these different character angles. 
It's amazing. But anyways, that's, that's interesting. All right. So, Let's do that. Yeah. I, that I just can't fun. believe you haven't seen that before. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So when you were saying, Bonnie, that she would just throw stuff at you, yeah. you went into her booth, it would be like, okay, Bonnie, you're a 15-year-old girl and some boy dumped soup on your head and now you're crying and you're coming home. Go. Like yeah, that? kind of. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just do improvising. It. Um, do it. Okay, so um, this soup is really hot, and it's even chicken noodle, and I don't even like chicken noodle, and I really like this boy, and it means I don't think he likes me, unless this is one of those things that, like, boys actually like you if they dump soup on you, but maybe, no, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's golden. That, that that's was golden. golden. Okay, We've all Eli, been 15-year-old uh, girls at some you, point. I don't know. Oh, you're. Uh, I am not a rapid fire dude. Okay. Not really? a, I didn't. You, I didn't go through her gotta, experience. I didn't. I didn't. Yes, I'm. Yeah. I'm a person where when I get a character, I research the crap out of it, and uh -huh. then I get into that character. So what she just did, I don't do. You know, That's you can I'm, though. I'm, yeah, I'm, huh? You can't. If I have to do it, you have to do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I am. I am straight up method. I am a researcher, and mm -hmm. I get into my freaking characters. To, to the point sometimes to where it's like I have to shut myself off so I don't annoy my wife and kids. All day long, you're like talking in an accent or whatever, right? I am sitting, I am literally sitting there like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a researcher. I'm dead, I'm dead serious. I am a researcher. I will sit here. For instance, I had to voice a hillbilly in a upcoming cart uh, game, Chaos Card. Mm -hmm. I was watching Ernest Goes to Camp. Like I'm let's, trying to oh, get let's this hear, accent. Let's hear your hillbilly. Oh my god. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's hear your hillbilly. All right, so the characters. Uh, oh, got Bucky. Bucky. I'm Bucky. Dag nabbit. <laughs> We're going into a tailspin here. Oh goodness. <laughs> you know. And, and <laughs> how many characters did we do on our this calls? Yeah. Oh geez. How, how oh, many? Was, how many times did you hear my boy voice on our calls? Oh, let's oh, hear the boy funny. voice. We got to hear the boy voice. Oh, gosh, you got to hear her boy voice, man. Okay, let's hear it. I'm going to close so, my eyes. Um, no, it's Do okay. It, yeah, so, uh, hi, Eli. We were talking on the phone earlier, and uh, he's pretty cool. But I can make him, like, a little younger, and he's kind of up here. But I make him, like, a little older, like, maybe right before his bar mitzvah, where his voice is going to crack. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of where he lives. He's, like, right in here. That oh is gosh, the boy voice. That. If I ever heard one, that is a very good that. boy voice. So... One of the characters I did when role-playing, her name is Tunisu Magoo, and she talks like this, right? It's kind of like a, a Dr. Mrs. Girlfriend sort of thing, but it was just like really with a thick accent kind of thing. Let's hear it, Dan. Let's hear it. Let's hear it, Dan. Do it, Dan. <laughs> oh, that was, my nor that was my normal voice? No, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God, sweetie. Oh, you just look so fine today. <laughs> Hello, sweetie. You look gorgeous today. You How look stinking gorgeous. You look oh gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. I Who can't believe Who does your nails? They look I'm so just, good. I'm just twittering all inside. Right? <laughs> you guys are just fabulous. I love when I'm here from the two of you. Woo-wee. <laughs> Man, so we we lived in Oregon and then we moved to California or from Oregon to Florida. And it seems like the further north you go from Florida, the more southern people talk, right? Yeah. But it's, it's funny. Like yeah. I didn't realize that people in Florida have like southern accents. It's great. Do they? 
Yeah, in, in Western in Florida. Florida. I'm in Western, in Western Florida. Florida. Okay. So I'm like in central time zone. I like to say I'm in the Florida, that Florida, the shoreline that Florida stole from Alabama. So, Alabama. but anyways, that was, I, I don't, you I'm just went sideways to in Alabama. Alabama. I'm not here to talk about my favorite subject. <laughs> that right there, that's what I'm going to say we're going to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I got to make sure that they're ready for the next, uh, are you are you ready there, Jay? Let's see, where is it? Are y'all ready? Are y'all y'all's ready? Because we're I think all y'all ready to go. Let's party. That boy voice Let's is do great. It. Thank you. That he makes me voice. money. Makes I've done commercials money. as him. Okay. I've met women playing my mom, and and we're they're my age. They're thirty something women, and we get on the session, and they're like, "Hey, hello." I go, "Hi, mom," and they lose it. It's amazing. <laughs> Bonnie, so, tell us the boy name. Tell us your alter ego. Tell him his name is Bobby. Oh, my camera's all fuzzy. Oh, man. That's fine. Do I know that voice? You probably have heard him before. Yeah. Is it from a cartoon? No, it's mine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just, I've cultivated it for years. I've been, I've been doing Bobby's voice for years. So. So Bobby's world. It. Oh, listen. Oh, it's not going to work. Whatever. It's fine. Flap it. Flap it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. What's your favorite character that you've done? Or mm. Eli, you go. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. I did Shargram in Skyrim. Uh, that was interesting because I was just running around talking trash and chopping up people. Uh-huh. So, uh, being probably that in Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers was hella fun. In the new game, because yeah, the the I yeah I saw I'm the lead of that one. Uh, uh of Terran Command. So I'm mm-hmm. the commander in there. So I'm like this dry trash talking person <laughs> who doesn't necessarily agree with the politics of what's going on. So uh yeah that that was fun. That was fun. I want that game too. I just saw it like on the Starship Troopers I just saw it like a week or so ago. It's good. It's, it's good. A good game? Yeah, I'm Commander Hawthorne. Yeah I'm Commander Hawthorne in it. Yeah it's 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 a good no game. bias it's, it's a good game. game to play. It's fun. <laughs> no bias. No bias. Okay, okay. it really well, is fun. What about you, Bonnie? What's the most favorite character you've done ever? Ooh, so it's it's for sentimental sentimental reason. So I was a part of um, an animated thing that I signed stuff for. So I haven't gotten the green light to talk about it. But mm. these, uh, I did two voices for something in particular, and these characters are being sold at Macy's and Toys R Us on That's store dope. shelves, and I got to buy some for my mom who has oh always been so supportive of me. And I bought the stuffed animal version and the, uh, the not nylon figurine, but the, you know, the little plastic figurines. But I got to buy one of each and send it to my mom. And The and action she, figure. The, it's, but it's not quite, it doesn't like do action. It's very right. weird. But um, it's cool. And they're like at the Macy's and, Toy, and uh, Toys R Us in New York City, where my mom took me on my first trip to New York City. Mm-hmm. So it's like a full circle moment when I was 16 and I wanted to be an actor. So it's a very That is weird, really cool. It's really cool. Really, really, I never really thought cool. like you could buy my stuff at Toys R Us and Macy's. And it's just, it's really cool to have that full circle moment. So that was really it's cool. amazing. Yeah. Like it's a, surreal it's too. Like a, that is a real deal. That's yeah. amazing. Thank you both so much for coming on here. Thank we you. Have, wow, this is a great, great talk. Let's see. I got to look and see who's next. It's our last one. It's our last one. Next, we have the dance of production, finding the production rhythm, 
for your game and team. Nice. And there's, I'm sure they're sitting there waiting for us to be done, but we had such a great time. Thank you so much. Hit me up on Discord and let's talk about that role-playing stuff. Look, yes. when Bonnie and I get together, we mm -hmm. take over. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's talk we about shut it. shut it down. Okay. All, right. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank Bye. you. <laughs>